NLP Transportation Management Podcast, episode 32. Today we'll continue with our BOPF topics that we couldn't finish in the last episode. So that's why we have 10 more episodes. This is episode two. No, <laughs> so hopefully it's the final one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Thomas from the order management team. I'm Bernd, also from the order management team. Also from the order management team. Schiebler, also from the order management team. Transportation management order team. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> TM team, whatever. TM, yes. One TM. Um, hi, I'm Vanessa. I'm also from the order management team. Hi, I'm Jia Haoliang. I'm intern. I'm also from the team uh, order management. Ah, yeah. Today we have one uh, uh, some some housekeeping to be done. Is it housekeeping actually? Uh, yeah, we are happy uh, to say thank you to two um, sponsors of this show. <laughs> no, don't worry, no no advertisement here. We just got uh, two um, two um, friends of our podcast who donated some processing time uh, for the podcast. So if you're interested in supporting our podcasting activity here. You can do so by uh, donating some processing time. You can find uh, that on our homepage under support, I think. So basically, that gives us some time that we can give you nice uh, audio here. Um, yeah, that's basically it. So thanks a lot. And now let's go for Bob. Where did we stop last time? It was determinations, right? I think queries. Was queries, queries. Okay, so what's next? Associations, right? So if you dive into that one, okay. association. So basically one from 10,000 feet, uh, or now let's say 5,000 feet, what, what is this association? What do I need it for? Uh, the simplest form are the compositions. That's just the link between two nodes, like root node and ITPR, for example. Okay. Or root node and... Uh, Stop. You mean for example? Here yeah. in the node structure of the business object, if you collapse it, we see here the root node on the first level, mm -hmm. and then a lot of subnodes which are linked to the root node via compositions. That are already associations. You could call the compositions are kind of the skeleton of the um, yes, business sure. object that kind of is as soon as I create a new node, I have that basic uh, association, the yes, composition. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And beside the compositions, we have also standard associations, um, which can be any link between any nodes. Can be also a link between the same node. So kind mm -hmm. of cycle. Cycle thing. Yeah, we, we come to that. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe let's start. As we know, this is a video-supported episode. Uh, Uh, so maybe we can have a look at such a composition maybe first. So yeah. we are now in our favorite uh, Toha business object with a lot of associations to be shown. So let's take one from the root to the item. I think that might be a pretty, pretty normal association, right? So I have the root node as a start node. I go into the associations and I see a lot of them. And now you look for, for an association which has the same name as an existing node. Okay, that's that's the rule, right? So And That's the rule, yes. Okay. That's no 100% guarantee, but it's a very good indicator that this might be a composition. Okay. 
I think yeah, we have one exception, right? The exec node. I think yeah, the name of the association is different from the target node. Doesn't matter. It's technically impossible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there you see as association type composite for the compositions. What means that are framework associations which are there without doing anything after having created the subnode. Kind of magic. Yeah, magic. <laughs> Yeah, we the come to that. flavor are mm -hmm. the standard associations. Let's look into another association yeah. from root to, for example, item TRDRV, for example. The driver items? Ooh, that's maybe. No, maybe let's go. Now go to the main item. Driver's okay. not even delivered yet, so. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that, that association might disappear, right? So uh, you haven't seen it. <laughs> so item TR main is our association we want to show. Mm -hmm. That's now. Um, an association that has association type association. Yeah. What means it was modeled by someone, by some developer. Created without magic, but with hard manual work. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And um, I also see more tabs then here, right? So if I compare the two associations, no, I see the same thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. What you might see for, for uh, associations not for compositions is an association class, mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily. In this case, we have an association without association class. What means um, we have most probably some association binding. Should we go there? Yeah, go there. Okay. And what you see here is a lot of binding. And binding means just we have some rules behind the link from root to item TR node. And these rules, these filters, are executed by the Bob framework on basis of these binding hints, which are maintained here. And the binding hints we have here are, for example, constant values. Mm -hmm. We are here filtering the association results on the item category. Item category has to be item cut service, for example. Mm -hmm. And item cut service. No, no, not equal item cut service. Uh, not equal <laughs> item cut service, yes. And this uh, C item cut service, this binding value from, is defined in a constant interface, uh, SMTMS, I have tall short const. Okay. And that's it. So basically, that the two components here, the constants interface and the binding value from, are uh, a structured way of defining a uh, a, a constant uh, for that specific value here. So yeah. maybe we can look that up, huh? maybe to have a complete picture. So let's take that item main attribute here. We go to the tor short constants interface. Why is it short? Uh, I can explain maybe a bit later. That has performance reasons. Uh, so, yeah. Ah, featuring our new or nice ABAP search here. So we are now in our constants interface. That's the short one here. And if you look into the attributes, you will find one, the item main. And if you look into it, you see value is initial. The initial key, uh, that's the definition of that one here. And for the other one, item cut service, it is this item category SRV. So basically it takes this value here, right? For the comparison. 
And then we can have a couple of constant values, which are then checked together. Mm -hmm. The second one is here then, for example, item parent, I think. The target node is not over here. It is somehow cut. Hmm? Item parent key. Yeah. yeah. And this has to be similar to the item main. That was the second one you showed, which has to be initial. Initial, right? exactly. So that is an item with no parent item beyond. That's a translation. But from a Bob perspective, it just needs to have an initial value in this field. The parent key must be the root key in, in our example here from the root node, right? Yeah. And the item cut must not be a service item. So what you can see then uh, in this association binding is that we can't just filter mm -hmm. the, the target instances of this association. We can also define the kind of binding by providing this source node attribute um, and uh, target node attribute link. Mm -hmm. And that's here done by binding parent key from mm -hmm. the target to the key of the root or of the source node. Okay. And, and so with that, you can automatically find exactly the subset you are looking for. Exactly. It's always a subset. That's why it's also called in that specific case here a specialization, right? Because yes. it's a subset of yeah. the composition. So it looks into all items of belonging to that root node, which is expressed with that key thing here. So the, the key of the root must be the parent key uh, of the item node. And, and then some, some more restrictions uh, apply. Yeah. Uh, we have this uh, data access relevance flag here. Why is it there and should I use it or not? Should I, should I say something? <laughs> I think that was for optimization reasons, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, providing it to the database. Exactly. Values. If, it's, if it's flagged, which you more or less always should do. They introduced that uh, later. That's why it's not flagged uh, everywhere. This is also used if there's nothing in the buffer and goes to, it directly goes to the database, then it will not extract all the items into the buffer first and then filter within the buffer. But it will already provide those information here about the item cut and item uh, parent key values that should be used to the data access class that we discussed uh, last episode. So the, the database uh, select will already include those two pieces here, which can make a huge difference. Because if we, and maybe it's also a performance thing now, if we talk about the specialization, see what really happens in a buffer uh, with the with specialization association is, let's say we have all the items in the buffer and one of those items uh, is only a hit for this um, special associations here. What uh, the buff simple does, our current, yeah, our uh, buffer implementation, which is used more or less everywhere, it's looping at the complete list of buffer entries. So it's looping at all items. Does then an assign component of that node attribute here and compares it with the attribute values uh, with the constant values here. And interestingly, that's why we also have the short constant interface that is faster if the constant interface is smaller. So if you have a, a user constant interface with a lot of values, the assigned component uh, and comparison is slower uh, than if you have a shorter and, or if you have a constant interface with fewer attributes. That's a bit surprising. But anyway, it's always an assigned component uh, in the buffer. 
which is not the fastest thing uh, you could imagine. So that's why having this uh, data access relevance flag here can be pretty helpful. Specifically, if you really read the data, not from the buffer, but you would go to the database, uh, you don't expect to have a buffer. And it just wouldn't hurt anyways. So um, yeah, maybe that's a few words on that. We skipped uh, elegantly uh, one tab. Should we maybe uh, look into that one? Sure. Note category assignment is always important. If uh, in standard it should be flagged everywhere, mm -hmm. if it's not flagged, mm -hmm. the association is not accessible. It cannot be used. So if an association which you newly extended, for example, to a business object by enhancement BO, and it is not working, <laughs> Have a look to the node category assignment. Perhaps it's not flagged, and then you should mm. set the checkbox. Yeah, I think for TM as a rule, you could say there's only one node category per node, and that one should be flagged. Otherwise, it's kind of uh, uh, not usable, but just for entertainment or something. Not <laughs> not usable, not accessible, right? Might have historical uh, reasons that they didn't want to skip it, throw it away completely. Mm. Okay, yeah. But I would nearly bet that this is a bug. Yeah. Okay. Um, next things, if we are now in the tabs, uh, this property change trigger, anything relevant you could say about that? I think we are not using it in uh, TM. Not totally sure, because uh, I would have mm. here to ask Tragos mm -hmm. from UI, but... Um, these property change triggers could be used if something is changing on one node that these changes on the node have to be or have influence to another node. The yeah, so it needs to be modeled here via this association. Hmm. But I think anyway, I think in, in FBI, if I'm not wrong, they do that kind of magically themselves. I think so. We are not really using it. I think for the TM context, uh, forget about this uh, tab. Okay. Coming back to the association itself, I think we covered pretty much the first part here. So it's an association or the composition. So is it the, the kind of uh, bones uh, or uh, extra nerves uh, of, of the TO or BO model? Uh, what kind of association is it? Um, maybe we can, yeah, I mean, there are some other important ones. Uh, Foreign key and reverse foreign key. Also, should we spend some? Yeah, the background here is, is just um, the idea how you can couple different nodes together. There's one possibility um, that is usual in, in Bob framework in mm -hmm. your modeling nodes that's that the target instance knows its source instance. Mm -hmm. But there's also the possibility that the source instance knows its target instance. That's the typical association or the typical way, one typical way for cross-BO associations. Mm -hmm. Very often, the source instance knows which product key is related to it or which business partner is related to it. Or in our case, maybe TM specific, if you look into the items, this item very often has a predecessor, so the freight order item has the freight unit item as a predecessor. Maybe we can have a look uh, at, at that one. That should be referenced item to uh, here. This one here is 
uh, a foreign key association. So, yeah, and you see that mm. um, this association is resolved by the source node. So this is also indicated directly mm. on the association screen. You can see in the configuration yeah. UI. If it is resolved by the source node, you find the uh, information which target instance is bound to to myself mm. on me instead of the target. Okay, so that means in the in our example, in our freight order item, we have the key of the freight unit item yes. included. Mm. Yes, but that's not a must have mm. because if you have the information on your own node, which the target is, then you have always a one to n relationship, mm. uh, a one end end to one mm. relationship, and sometimes you have not. Uh, an end-to-one relationship, you have sometimes also an end-to-m relationship. Mm -hmm. And if you have such a situation, then the information has to be stored on the target, mm. always. Okay. Or you have to have a sub-node under your business object node, yes. where you have n records or lines, which are all referring to their targets. This way you could also <coughs> model an end-to-m relationship. Okay. So, and we see that exactly here. So, the source node attribute, which is in our example the freight order uh, item, the, has a field called referenced ref item key, referenced item key, uh, is its nickname. And this is um, mapped to the key of the other node, which is in our example the freight unit item. So, here are no constants uh, involved, it's just in one to one. But again, be a bit careful or think about it. It's what it does in the buffer is also an assigned component and then do that matching. So sometimes it might make sense to implement uh, a certain association as well, as you mentioned. We, and, and that is done by an association class, right? Like here. So, yeah. so, so when. For the referenced item TR all in association, we have an association class mapping. Yeah. And when would I do that? Uh, any general rules for that? Or uh, general, if you can't uh, define it with binding values, or if there is a very specific way how you can um, very good extract the target keys mm. from somewhere, you could you could implement it. Or if you're faster, it's not, it's mm. not necessarily mm. slower than binding. It, I think it can even be significantly faster because yes. the binding is done on the uh, generic buffer thing with assigned component thing, and you in your specific ASOC class may do that more efficiently as, as you are not generic, right? Yeah. And the interesting thing about that ASOC class is, I think, the interface, you have to get used to it, maybe coming to the resolve, because what you really return is the keys, right? It's not the node instance uh, yeah. itself. Uh, but only a list of keys and key links, right? Or actually, oh, okay, actually it's only key links, right? Yeah, the association class is just returning the links between the nodes, which are linked by this association. And how these links are extracted, that's up to the implementation. In addition, you can return failed keys. Mm -hmm. Association classes are only returning failed keys for source keys. Mm -hmm. Because target keys, if there's no target key, that's no error. It's mm -hmm. just no target. Mm -hmm. That's no error situation. And you can return messages. 
that's not very usual, but okay, there might be reasons. Yeah, yeah. I also am not, also not aware of any TM association class returning messages. Anyway, we are returning too many messages in general. I think doing that in associations wouldn't be that helpful. And I think one very important implication uh, of that returning a key link, ta key link table means it's a table of, maybe I'll show you the details here. Oops, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, it is a link of GUIDs, right? Source GUID and target GUID. In our example, the source GUID would be the one of the thread order item and the target GUID or target key here would be the one of the um, thread unit item. Yeah? So that combination is returned. This is a sorted uh, table. So that also means that you cannot define uh, something in a sequence or so. So if you have, if you have, for example, generally speaking, if you have a root node and you have a lot of subnodes and you think you could return the different subnodes in a, let's say, UI-specific sequence or so using an association cl class, you, that's a, a nice idea, but it's not working. So you, you cannot do it because this, what, what you return here is really a key link table sorted by the keys and you obviously you cannot change the keys with an association but only return them so it it will so there's no way in that you for example return the most important uh, uh, items uh, first or something you return them as a key link table and the key links are sorted whatever GUI creation algorithm GUID uh, re returned it I think that's also an a trap you might run into. Other parameters? For the, the sub-TM associations, in general, the resort method is implemented. Mm -hmm. Create is not implemented. We have because some. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have mm -hmm. some. We have some. But not very often. Most not very often, that's for sure. The resort method implemented. Mm -hmm. Create would be used to create instances of a sub-node. Mm -hmm. That's in general. I don't know if we, if we set this so clearly. In general, we are creating instances of subnodes via an association from a source node. We come to that uh, uh, later uh, when we talk about the how, how to use POP in your coding. Yeah, yeah I think that's why we have we might not have mentioned it before, but. Uh, and uh, having said this, the only exceptions, of course, the root node where we don't have a source node. Yeah, okay. so true. Okay. Yeah, but you might use that uh, create uh, method. If you have a special association, I think we use it, for example, for actual quantities or something, where you kind of have a um, implemented association, then if you add a new value, you also want to get the reference to the item. Yeah, so you create a new entry in the technically in the execution node, um, but you also want to get the reference to the item node. Uh, uh, that, that you have. And for that kind of way, you need special informations. And that's why you created this reference to the, the item node, even so it's not a subnode to the item node. I think that was not only confusing, but let's say what you should uh, take with you is if you have special requirements when creating a new instance with reference to, for example, other instances, then you might use that uh, create method as well. So it's not totally pointless. It's used. Also in TM, but not very often, as Dirk mentioned. The filter structure. Filter structure is a little bit special. 
Um, I think it's always the substructure of the of the target node, right? Would make sense for sure. Where you can provide then at runtime values to the association, mm -hmm. which can be used to do a filtering okay. in the implementation, for example. Okay, it's I only it's working this way. Is it only used in the implementation? Implemented? Ah, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's in the implementation section, so yes. Most likely. At least you can use it there. Yeah. And you also see, also in the implementation section, you see that the secondary key can be maintained here. You would have maybe hoped that it's also used for the normal association binding things, uh, but it's not. Oh. Yeah. So that is, uh, if you have a secondary key for the key you are using, um, like in our example, the... Uh, what was the, the parent key or so, where you most likely have a, a key. Um, it, you can define it here, but in, in normal, non-implemented associations, this is not used uh, because of the structure of the buff simple, basically. Because this buff simple has uh, a structure where it has the key of the instance, then the parent key and the root key, and then a generic ref2 data. And for this generic ref2 data, um, of course, there, there's no table type anywhere. So that's why you also have no secondary key. So it's just for your implementation. Test data containers, maybe we can skip for the moment as we did for all the other elements, right? Basically for testing. Mm -hmm. Anything else anyone should know about associations? Now we have already mentioned that we can have links between different yeah. POs, ah, business yeah. objects that are the cross-PO associations. Um. Okay. It's, um, one kind of standard mm. association, which is then a link between uh, such a gray bubble node, mm. normal subnode of mm. the business object, to um, shiny to green. such a green bubble star. <laughs> 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 this was little stars. Indicating <laughs> a, another business object, which is somehow linked to your business object, to the tour, for example. Let's go, for example, to the uh, BO bus share ref uh, yeah. BO representation node. Mm -hmm. um, this cross BO association is also, or this business object is linked to your own BO via cross BO association. So there is a business object, business share, right? Yes. And and uh, okay, and this indicates that I have a link between an instance of the business share. And my, in the example, Tor instance. Yes. Okay. And this uh, BO representation node, not sure if we mentioned this already in the last session, um, is just uh, an anchor of the target business object, mm -hmm. of any node of the target business object, and it contains exactly the business object name of the target BO mm -hmm. and the node. Okay. And uh, mm -hmm. everything else has to be done by the cross BO association. Okay. If it is a very simple case where you have the source, uh, the, the target key on your own BO, mm -hmm. then you can do it via binding, mm -hmm. and else you have to implement something. Okay, so maybe look for, let's take a look to, for the material. That should be a simple one, right? We go, can navigate to the material root. Most likely, that must start on the item level, I assume. Uh, and then we would have a respective BO. Material association here, 
okay, which goes to, from from our node. It's a cross BO association. It okay. We also have a cardinality, a meaningful here, zero to one. So it's not possible that from within one item I have more than one material referenced. It and the associated node is this BO representation node that we just saw before. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Okay, and there you find then the real target. Okay. The real speaking business object that is linked and the node. Okay. We use here this standard uh, association class for cross BO ASOCs and the ASOC binding, yeah, the product key on the item is, yeah, is the key of the other instance, right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's mm. just as, as the name of the mm. association binding category says, it's a cross BO binding hint. Hint, only and hints this, required. And this hint okay. is used by the standard association class. Mm. Um, to find the link to the target. Okay. And that's here just the product key. Um, as far as I know, you can also leave the um, cross-bio association class out in this case, mm -hmm. and then the framework is calling this class automatically. Yeah. Be because this is a cross-bio association as per yeah. definition. Yeah, exactly. But mm -hmm. this has also a negative impact for uh, archiving, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, cross-BO associations can't return data directly to the consumer. So if you are calling retrieve by association using a cross-BO association, then you get only links back. And then you have to do a retrieve with the right service manager of the target business object to get the data back. Um, if you're doing this directly via the service manager, via Bob service manager, then you can directly return also the data to the consumer mm -hmm. because then the retrieve is automatically done within the service manager of Bob. Mm -hmm. um, if you are doing it via IOEs, you get only the links back. Um, if you are not using an uh, association class for the cross-BO association, mm -hmm. um, then... In, in the archive adapter, mm. um, you have also to do the retrieve by association by a service manager. Mm -hmm. What executes lot, a lot of additional logic mm -hmm. is lower than uh, the other way how the cross-peer association would be resolved. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why it's, it's always better to, to add the association class into the cross-peer association. Because then things like the archiving adapter can operate faster. Okay, that's maybe enough as a summary. Somewhere in the middle, uh, I, I got lost, but I think the, the <laughs> doesn't matter. So just use, if you create your own cross-BO association, it's a good idea to have the ASOC class uh, in here for good reasons. Think about archiving adapter, for example, and it won't, never hurts. Okay, thank you. That's the uh, cross-BO thing. Yeah, Should then we have dependent objects like the text collection. We had it already. Um, uh, dependent objects are reuse objects. We mentioned them already. Did we? Yes, we did. Huh? Yeah. I, I think That's so. so. Reuse yeah, yeah. and extension okay. concept of Bob. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, reuse concept. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, to link a EO, such a reuse object, to a host object, Host object is always the, the real transactional or master data business object that is mm -hmm. 
that that is intended to reuse something like the text collection, for example. Yeah, we have. Let's have a look at the text collection here for a moment. So <coughs> first, the representation node. Here, text collection is not as shiny as the cross PO, so a missing star. Missing right? star, right. Okay, but, but still it's green. also a link between a gray bubble and the green bubble. Green. So gray to green, that's the rule, but without a star. And um, such dependent objects are always linked via the root node. So you are always linking the root of a dependent object to any other node of a real business object. While in the cross BO, you can also link a sub node, right? As we have yeah, seen, yeah. the yeah. allocations, we are not linking the root of the allocations, but directly reference uh, node, whatever that means. It doesn't matter here, but it's not the root node of the. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But here for DOs, you always include them completely. And that means you need a, at least or only an association to the uh, root node of the DO. I mean, what I got is for sure. I, I if I include a dependent object, I need an association from, for example, my root to the uh, dependent object root, or for my item to the dependent object root. Yeah. Could I on top have also associations from my root to the dependent object, whatever sub element? That's hard to realize, but yes, you could do it. I could do it. Okay. Maybe it'd be a good point in time to, to talk about the the idea how to um, connect to a DO in case you include it in your BO model multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay. That's what we were going to see maybe in, in, in the demo reports uh, in a few minutes, mm -hmm. um, where, for example, you have the text collection mm -hmm. being yep. a, a DO, um, included in your BO model for multiple times for different semantical purposes, for yep, example. Yep. And then, um, of course, you have from your root node to the corresponding DO yep. inclusion, a corresponding association that leads you to the root node of the dependent object. But then we'll see in the coding, uh, you have to watch out how to access then the subnodes of the dependent okay. object and how to determine the right associations at runtime rather than design time. Mm. Um, to really uh, establish the navigation to the content of the DO. Okay, so coming to your example, so I have here the text collection once um, included as a subnode of the root node. Here, wow. And you have that same DO as a subnode of the item. That, that is the example, right? Text collection item text collection it's called it's then called item text yeah. collection of course because the items text collection okay and what we <laughs> see here in addition is yeah. we have no association class for the do association yeah. yeah so if you want to differentiate if you want to introduce further associations we have to realize this somehow on ahead more 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 tricky way yeah. For example, via the delegation class we have for DOs. Mm -hmm. So in the dependent object node, the green bubble nodes, mm -hmm. uh, we can maintain a delegation class. And what this exactly means, we see then in, uh, when we're looking into the demo reports. Yeah. Okay. Uh, text collection, if we look into that delegation class, just for a moment. This guy here, right? Referent DO delegation. Okay, it's a TM already, so it looks specific. 
Anything else? For associations. It's now we had the normal ones, the compositions, then we have the specializations, kind of just get me a subset, including some data reference or database relevant uh, information. Then we have the foreign keys and reverse foreign key associations. We have the implemented associations. We have the implemented cross-PO and non-implemented cross-BO associations. So to navigate from TOA to TRQ or from TOA to Material Master or from TRQ to Material Master or whatever BO to BO association you may have. Uh, and we have the dependent objects and their respective associations. Did this already cover the term filter associations, which every now and then is used? What you what you counted? Filter association. You just set a value and say, okay, it's an association pointing from the root to the item, but only for specific values. Oh yeah, like that's the specialization. Okay, so because the term filter association is every now and then used by a few colleagues oh, okay. uh, to say, okay, here that's an association which is pointing from a root to a subnode, but only returning, hmm. um, let's okay. say, items for example of a specific kind of specific hmm. type, for example, where the filter value is so to say okay. set in advance of okay. um, of using it to retrieve hmm. the data, for example. Okay. So That's it's just the, another term that I got to know. Okay. People talk about this um, kind of association. The uh, specializations. Okay. Yeah. So filter, filter association would be another term for uh, specialization. Okay. That's it for associations, huh? Think so. Okay. Okay, but okay, so already half an hour again. Huh? <laughs> Only about that. Good. <laughs> um, Good. Should we then shortly explain the alternative keys yes. before going to the demo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? yeah, yeah. So that was That's also it. something we left out last time. Uh, convert alternative key as a kind of. Uh, yeah, well, what is an alternative key? Maybe just uh, to start yeah, semantically. Hmm? That's a kind of, of a quick query, you could say. Mm -hmm. uh, we are using it to convert one representation of a of a node instance mm. into another representation so a key conversion okay so it's and kind of the nickname of the node uh, so to yeah, say, say it, we are we are often using it for uh, converting uh, external ids mm. speaking ids to yeah. to the uh, corresponding raw 16 bricks okay for example if i have my root node so the, the key of the root node is obviously the key, this GUID, the raw 16 GUID, but uh, unfortunately nobody is uh, using that in real life, so we have to have an ID on top, right? Yeah. So let's go to the. Some people say human readable um, IDs are translated into the technical representation of it, and then the buff framework only knows the technical stuff, yeah. and the convert alternative key is doing actually the translation between the real world and the technical world Okay. to make it very simple. But then you have the other keys which are not human readable either, but uh, <laughs> that's, the that's another part of the story. <laughs> exactly. But let's start with the Tor ID. So our Tor instance, the freight order, has a GUID as a real key and then the nickname, which is the Tor ID, right? Yeah. Okay, and, and since we have always to work with everything, retrieve, retrieve by association, call action, with the uh, real keys, with the 
or 16 GUIs, we have someone to say, okay, now we want to have the real key for our nickname. You know? yeah. And then we can continue okay. with, with whatever we want to do. Important to know when uh, looking into such a uh, configuration of an alternative key is um, we have no class that is maintained mm -hmm. here. We have just some data types, data table types, and possibly a secondary key. Secondary key makes sense here uh, to, to improve the performance when searching for instances. Same limitations as Brent already set for the for the uh, associations. Mm -hmm. um, so in standard yeah. in standard conversion it's not really used because this typically this uh, field like the Tor ID is part of the data part in the buffer where we don't have uh, the option to have a secondary key really used, right? Yeah, it depends. Um, the Bob framework is especially uh, for alternative keys doing yeah. some nice improvements. They are um, using NetWeaver features to copy the huge table on a small table, and then they are searching for the right instances on the small table. So they are doing kind of uh, move corresponding. And for the small table, they can then use uh, these uh, secondary keys. Okay, even so, the one format is key key ref to data, and the other one. Okay, good. They're doing that, and it could be used. Uh, yeah. Best case, uh, worst case, it's it's not, but you can already define it here yeah. uh, that it could be used the secondary key. So um, we have a data type. Is that restricted to a data element, or can it be a structure as well? Yes, that are exactly the two flavors we have. We have structured and not structured alternative keys. Mm -hmm. Not structured alternative keys have to have the name of the data element of the node on which the, mm -hmm. the alternative key is defined. Yep. For example, here mm -hmm. we have the alternative key Tor ID. Mm -hmm. And if you look into the node structure of the root node, mm -hmm. then you find there also an attribute which is named Tor ID. Okay, just to prove that. Here we go. Here is the Tor ID field of the structure. Yeah. And what the framework does when using this convert alternative key is it looks into the data type. If it is just a data element, then it knows, okay, I have to use the name of the convert of the alternative key. Um, and else it is looking into the structure that was entered there and uses all the components of the structure as alternative key to find the target key of the alternative key. Just checking. Ah, here we have such an example yeah. where we have uh, a base document uh, alternative key and this is yeah. yeah, and this is a structured Yeah, and if you want to use way, this yeah. alternative key, you have to specify the attributes of the structure. So Naming must be identical to the root node? Yes, okay. all the components you find here have to have a one-to-one -one representation representation in the node structure. With the same name, right? Same name, mm -hmm. yes. And when using this alternative key, you are just providing um, a table, internal table of the data table type of the alternative key, mm -hmm. where all the attributes are mentioned, which shall be used to find the internal keys. Mm -hmm. I say now internal keys. Um, 
Yes, you did. Yes. Um, in general, the, the technical alternative keys are always mapping to the, the mapping to the uh, to the technical key of the instance of the node mm -hmm. instance mm -hmm. to key. the raw sixteen key. Yeah. Um, but Bob is also able to combine different alternative keys to map from Tor ID, for example, mm -hmm. to the base document. That's also possible. Then Directly. You get this result, yes, base document strings back, not only raw sixteen ones. So that's so once more. So I can use two alternative keys in one go. So let's say return me the um, ret uh, return me the base document IDs for those Tor IDs. Yes. Ah, cool. Didn't know that's, that. That's why you always um, have to provide a source alternative key and a target alternative key. Mm -hmm. okay. We'll see that in the coding examples in later. Huh? I think yes. Yeah. Oh, at, at least, least potentially. <laughs> at least in the, the um, non-optional components. If you look into the interface of the uh, service mm -hmm. manager methods, then you see that we can provide. Yeah, them. I think the alternative key service manager interface is a is a confusing two things. Uh, for me, it's a very simple, but still confusing enough. Yeah, but One. most yeah. use cases just use it <laughs> to translate a clear speaking ID yes. into the key. Yes. Uh, that's the most common case, I'd say. But you can also do it vice versa, right? You can also go from the key to the alternative ID. It's also possible, but um, in my eyes, it doesn't make so much sense because you could just do it's a magic. retrieve and uh, say I'm interested in the Tor ID, for example. Then you just provide the request attribute Tor yeah. ID, yeah. and then you have the same effect. Okay. Um, also important when using alternative keys, technically. Uh, the, the, the framework will always first look into the buffer, fetching all the instances from buffer mm. that it can find, and then look to the database. Always, right? Always. Even so you have there always the combined uh, word looking into the buffer plus to the database. When using a query, you're always just looking to the database. And we're doing a retrieve only into the buffer. Mm. And retrieve is looking to the buffer, and if it finds there something, um, that's it. Mm. That will not look further to the database. Yeah. So that's that's. Um, the reason is that you could have another hit for that identifier that could show up. Maybe okay. Does it evaluate that uh, uniqueness indicator here? Uh, in the because I mean, if it's unique and you have a buffer hit already, so you don't have to look it up afterwards. I'm quite sure that it does. Yes. Okay. So that also explains why I have to maintain that here. So it has a potentially a positive performance impact. And of course, it's uh, easier um, or better to, to remodel it here. You can. Uh, yes, in the alternative key, unique uh, value, we see there's a difference between unique and unique, if not initial. That's very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If um, a secondary key or an alternative key can be initial, then you have to use unique if not initial, if it is unique. Else you mm. will have lots of error stunts when using this. Mm. Uh, do you know what this unique internal allocation of numbers uh, means? No. Most likely it's, <laughs> if it's still no. a, a, a temporary number, then it's not unique kind of thing? I don't know. Interesting. 
unique if all attributes not initial. Ah, okay, that's a kind of if not initial for combined. So basically, you only would need this one here, which would also cover the non-structured, right? But, oh, who knows? But semantically, it's the same, same thing. Good. I think that's it for the alternative case. Uh, one thing that just came into my mind, did we talk about the node classes already? Uh, when we ah. talked about the nodes, and, and uh, maybe that might also fit in here. Not sure. Yeah. What's the role of the node class? And uh, That's a defaulting. If you're creating um, um, a node instance, hmm? then you can have here an implementation. Mm. Which is following the uh, general rules, interface rules, Bob, I mm. FLW node, I think. Mm. And there you can just um, return a default, or no, not just return. Bob is automatically creating an instance mm. of this new node, mm. defaulted with the values as um, implemented in the node class. Okay. So that is what you would do. So no plus, I think it's not very common here. I think we have some instances, but we have some examples, but not very many. Okay. That's all. Good. I think with that we covered pretty much all of the Bob elements, at least the ones with relevant for TM. Right? Did we also cover the consistency groups and that stuff when talking about validations? Most likely we did. If not, maybe as a reminder, uh, the consistency group uh, defines the all the validations that uh, belong together to it. So all, all the validations must be successful um, to have that validation group passed, so to say, right? Or yeah, and that would be executed when pressing the check. Consistency or check and determine um, button on the UI, mm -hmm. and um, depends from the implementation. It can be uh, executed when saving the document. Mm -hmm. It has then to be passed to allow saving the document, mm -hmm. as you would uh, get some error messages and would have to correct the, mm -hmm. the, the mentioned problems in okay. the document. And uh, if you have specified here a node, an action, and a status variable, mm. uh, especially for the consistency group, you could also define an automatic way to set a consistency status on your mm. business object. Having this defined, um, failed messages will not reject the same mm. for the document, but will set automatically um, the status that is mentioned here to not consistent. And then when opening the document, you could see, okay, the document was saved, but it's not consistent. I have to fix some issues. Okay, like I think we... find out by checking the consistency again. I think we have that in the TRQ, uh, if I'm not wrong. So we have the consistency and the completeness group. And the completeness is yeah. uh, mentioned, as you said. So if one of the validation of this completeness, which is only one, fails, then it sets the completeness status uh, to incomplete. Yeah. Using the action set completion status, most likely, right? Exactly. Yeah. Good. So, um, if this um, 
validation of this completeness, consistency validation proof is failing, you can save your document, mm -hmm. but it will get the status incomplete. On the field completeness. Yes. Okay. Then we are done for the BO model, I think. So time for chapter mark and a new chapter, which is then how to uh, code or how to yeah. Yeah, do your ABAP uh, with um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's take a look how to use it and yes. let's see some things in action. Okay. So what should I do? Should we so go? You can you can just go in the system to my local folder, uh, dollar temp. Okay. My username. So and then say so. package. Local objects, local, right? Local objects, exactly. And then my just my username, P O L C H. Uh, uh P O. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And just hit enter, and then open the the programs folder. Yep. And there you can basically see the um, two demo reports that I usually um, show for participants in a technical deep dive on a solution architects training. And the first one, <coughs> you double click on that and start looking at the coding. This one, the Bob's yep. demo one. Okay. The, the first one, exactly. Mm -hmm. So what it actually contains, lots of declarations in the beginning, and it's uh, like in these kitchen television shows, uh, I've already prepared something because otherwise it would take some time to type it and things <coughs> like that. Um, so what it actually does, it declares a few things, and what you see in the first place is um, the report deals with how to access data via mm -hmm. the Bob framework and using the Bob framework to retrieve specific data. Mm -hmm. And that just gives you an example how ABAP coding looks like that uses buff elements to, to retrieve the data from mm -hmm. the database or from the buffer, depending on where it is currently. So in the first place, you see line 45 um, and following, it just instantiates, um, in this case, a service manager. Mm -hmm. And what you can see here would make heavy use of the constants interface to really not having to type in the technical keys of each buff element, but you know having a more clear speaking chance to hit the right element. So what it does, it instantiates with the uh, service manager factory class here um, an instance or mm -hmm. of the service manager for the business object TRQ. How, how can I know this? Well, I take a look at the name of the constants interface and that is, if you deal with it all day, um, clear mm -hmm. that it's pointing to the TRQ, the forwarding order constants interface mm -hmm. in this case. So we get the service manager instantiated, and then um, this constant interface. You, you may remember from the last episode. So for every just jumping there, for every business object on header level, you define this constant interface, and then more or less every element in the BO uh, has its own key, and it starts with the BO key itself. So it's generated. It's nothing somebody would maintain manually. Right. So here we so, go. Mm. And um, maybe we can you can decide whether whether you would like to run the report and stop on the defined breakpoints, or we should go step by step yes. with coding first. Looks like that's the intended use of it, huh? Yes, exactly. So <laughs> it's just like in these kitchen shows. Pre-cooked, good. So there we are. So first breakpoint. Where are we at this point? Well, we have instantiated the service manager at this point. So in the next lines of code behind the first breakpoint. Maybe one question. Could I also do that without the business object? So could I get a generic service manager as well? Or is it always that I, if I read the TRQ and then I read, for example, material master or so, 
Could I also use a generic service manager or is it per business object? Per business object. Okay, always. No way around it. Yeah, using yeah. cross BR associations, okay. you can get at least the root information or the okay. target node information of but the target business object. Generally speaking, if I talk to a business object, per business object, technical <coughs> business object, I need a service manager, yeah? Yes. Okay, good. There you go. So, <coughs> first entry point in, in many use cases is uh, I use a query to search for certain documents or instances of a BO. Mm -hmm. In this case, I've prepared just um, a few selection criteria. As you can mm -hmm. see, I just uh, leverage once again the constant interface. I declare uh, I declare an attribute coming from the uh, uh, query attribute um, that is located on the root. The query name is query by attributes, which I think is even deprecated in the meantime. But anyways, it still works. And the attribute, the final one, is uh, called created by. And the next uh, few lines, they just put in the select options mm -hmm. like in the range table. You may know that from, from this kind of yep. instruction. It says um, the uh, attribute created by, if it equals and it includes the low value here is set to my last name. Mm -hmm. And in the next uh, few lines of code, I just prepare another uh, selection criteria created on and here I specify a range um, of dates, times, where I have created some example data. Okay. And when you click on F8 to get to the next okay. point. Maybe so just, uh, I think it might make sense if you now just look this up, the uh, respective representation in the business object to willing to get that yeah. mapping maybe. So we said it's a query on the TRQ on the root. It's called query by attributes exactly. and has a created on. So let's check that in the BO model. Maybe yes. at the beginning makes sense to, to do that. To get that mapping huh? that you always because it's always the same pattern peak so it's a root node must be a query Ooh, here's a query then is the query by attributes not the qdb by attributes but the query by attributes and it has a what they call a filter structure so this those are the fields available in the query and there should be a let's have a Quick look here, a created by field. Let's see if this is really true. And yes, it's really true. Uh, trust, well, me. It. trust me. Trust <laughs> me. Uh, uh, let's say at the bottom. Yes, create. Pretty down. Quote created. Okay. Created by. Oh, here yeah. we go. So, so no. And we have it on there as well, so no cheating, no. real attributes. Okay. So when you click on F8, so we now have prepared the selection criteria, <coughs> and that's the preparation step to now start with the query. Mm -hmm. And what you can see here, I use the service manager method query and mm -hmm. pass this its corresponding parameters that it takes. And the first one is to specify, okay, which query would I like to execute? And that is, mm -hmm. once again, as you can see, referencing the, the key of this query by using the constants interface and then pointing to the root node, that's uh, uh, the node where the query is assigned mm -hmm. to, and then I point to the name of that query. Same. So as you can mm -hmm. see here, you, you use the constants interface, so to say, as a clear speaking language to, to hit the right elements that you would like to work with. And when you scroll back a bit to the beginning of the coding, mm -hmm. I have some long coding lines. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we pass then in the, uh, in the next parameter the selection criteria which we prepared. And you can see it. My last name and the range mm -hmm. for, for the date, date and time fields. And um, in the next uh, step, you can see here that when we execute this query, we expect something to come back. Of course, we want to see some messages in case of errors or whatever may happen. That's the oh. message object which we return back. Um, then the structure query information, it actually doesn't contain too much information. It just, I think, uh, returns the one the most reasonable data is that it returns the number of, uh, of lines found in the result, but nothing more. It's uh, not the most popular parameter, but nevertheless, I, just I included it. <laughs> just learn something. Exactly. Um, and of course, the most important uh -huh. thing in this uh, is I just return in this case uh, back the, the keys of those instances which fulfill the search criteria. Okay. What you could also do directly to take that in advance, what you could do directly is to retrieve the whole data set with one instruction. So you, you would not necessarily have to do what I did in the report to retrieve. You could also tell the query uh, interface to also return the data right away and it does an implicit retrieve Hmm. For this uh, for this target node, so to say, and returns the data. This is just for education purposes, of course. In real uh, life, yes. of course, you would uh, use the uh, data query. If which... you want to keep your coding short, <laughs> it always depends a bit on uh, what your preferences yeah. are. So in the next step, um, of course, I just took back the keys. When you double click on the LT key table for, mm -hmm. for a second, yes. you should see some some keys having been returned, so it's that four seems, uh, instances correct. that yes. is found, so it indicates to me there are four uh, forwarding orders in this specific case that fulfill my search criteria. When you go back again, now I'm interested in the data of the root nodes for these forwarding orders, and that's uh, again done by the service manager, and I use the method retrieve, and that just yeah, takes the specified node in the, in the very first place, we have to place the node key. Mm. Once again, constant interface, and then um, the constants for the node and the name of the node is root. And I pass this also the, the keys, which I'm searching for. Mm -hmm. And um, the edit mode here in this case is set to read only. So I just want to read this information. I don't want to do any change on that. Maybe Dirk has some comment on the on the mo on the mode here, how it can be used in different ways. Can be very important. No, yeah, listen you, carefully. You could uh, <laughs> specify it in a way that you create optimistic or exclusive blocks even when reading the data. And this means that uh, logs are created before the read is really happening. Okay. So it's uh, really protected that you have the most up-to-date data then, and that you can work with this data. It's reserved for your process. And I think it's not only convenient to know that I work with the uh, latest up-to-date data, but it, if you if you just read the data here with in, in the in this or read-only mode, if you later do a modification, then you can potentially be in trouble because your image is still the is still the old one. So if in in between your read and your write to the database, somebody else did a modification, including the logs and everything, you may uh, revert uh, this back with your coding. So if you're if your processing time in, in the middle is long enough. So as an example, this is really important. So if you do a retrieve, always imagine, okay, now if this is somehow slow, what happens now? If now in a parallel session, somebody else is reading that exact same data, 
is changing it, saving it, and that is over. And later in your processing, after the other guy already did a commit, you do a modification, you may override the other guy's uh, data because you still have your version of the truth in the buffer and you paste it to the database. And, so, and the other guy might be a batch dog, for example. And he might be have a strong old brother or so, so he might be, <laughs> <laughs> might be after old. you. <laughs> so that is... Uh, <laughs> So uh, that is potentially very risky So um, and, and very hard to find, uh, of course. So that's why if you intend to change the data, if you read them with a retrieve, you either have to exclusively lock them. That means that nobody else can change them in the meantime. Or you get that optimistic lock where you at least see if you lost the optimistic lock in between. So if somebody else is getting exclusive lock while you have an optimistic one, you will lose it. And so before you do your modification, you can check, do I still have my optimistic lock? Means nobody else was changing my instance meanwhile. Or did I lose it? So I have to reread the data, basically. And you, that's in this mm -hmm. case the bulk framework. It does it automatically for you. If you have an optimistic lock yeah. obtained, mm -hmm. then it will check if it is still there before doing a modification. Otherwise, uh, you can get that infamous uh, Bob uh, fail or assertion failed dumps in, in the framework, where yeah. then, where you then, in meanwhile, at least see that you may have uh, modified uh, entries without a lock. But that's a lucky case that you get the dump. Mm -hmm. If you're unlucky, you don't even get a dump because meanwhile the other guy uh, saved successfully and lost his exclusive lock. So then you're just destroying the data and then. You are in trouble with a big brother of that guy, the other process. Yeah. Okay. So, short, short thing about that. Reading the data with retrieve. Okay. <laughs> so, um, what, what we can see in the LT root internal table, which you can see in the importing parameters here, mm -hmm. that should be the data of the four forwarding orders. When you double click on it, you should see um, these entries. You, know, you have the TRQ type, and you can see the different okay. attributes making up the root node of these instances. Okay, so Thanks in the next step, uh, you might be interested not only in the root, but you would like to also use associations to navigate mm -hmm. to data which is uh, stored in subnodes of uh, your documents. Uh, maybe short question only. So this root node here, um, so this table type here must must it be the same as defined in the root node, or which table type should I use here for for that data? Ideally, and you use the um, Combined data type, uh, which includes combined table uh, type, yeah. exactly which com uh, which has not only the data section but also the the key representation okay. yeah. to have the full set of attributes that uh, uniquely ident identify mm. the entries. So okay. We'll then see um, in the next step we have some more that comes back with a retrieval mm. association. We'll see why. Um, so we now have these four keys of the four forwarding orders in this example. And uh, what we specify here now is, once again, the, the, the starting node from where do we navigate further down below the hierarchy of nodes. So we start with the root node, as indicated here. Yep. Once again, constant interface. We say, okay, we'd like to execute this next operation for all the keys in LT key. Mass enablement, very important topic for all mm. buff elements. Yep. Never do that in a loop. Um, I, I'm I'm uh, having a pat patent on the... Um, on the function to sue everybody that does retrieves in loops. 
Yeah. Um, so. Uh, and Holger has a very angry big brother as well. So. Yes. So. Uh, no, seriously speaking, that has a huge negative performance impact if you do retrieves and loops, and that's especially for beginners who never have done it before, um, always forgotten to think about performance. Keep that in mind that uh, not looping over single keys and retrieving it uh, in a loop is the right way, but using the interface and use the mass enablement that Bob already includes. Basically, you could say if, if you see somewhere in the coding, uh, except for a very rare exception, something like read table LT something index one, you are doomed. So uh, that is um, because that's an indication that you yes. only expect one entry to be returned and then you're not mass enabled. Yep. And then uh, Big Brother will come. Code Inspector, for those yeah. who know him, uh, has already uh, some nice checks who uh, can see such. Um, abusing cases and give you, uh, depending on the setup, some warning. And it's it's not a little bit slower or something. It's really Größenordnung. Nope. Uh, uh, um, um, uh, exponentially, uh, <laughs> the, the runtime yeah. goes up, and we had cases where instead of 0.4 seconds, the whole thing took a thousand. I just remember some archiving uh, stuff uh, at the very beginning before we cleaned it up, uh, where we had this case. Yeah. So, so please watch out. Um, it's bad, bad, bad. So what do we have here? Retrieve per association. We have the keys. We have the starting node for this association. And we have to specify, okay, what is the node that we point to? Mm. Or what is the association that we would like to use for navigation? And that is, once again, constants interface. This time the constants for association. From which, root, uh, from which node? It's the root node. And what is the association, which is initially assigned to the root node? It's the item association. Mm -hmm. Then I have a flag called uh, IV fill data, which indicates I would like to directly retrieve the data, the item data, not only the keys, but mm -hmm. also the data. Mm -hmm. And once again, uh, I have uh, the edit mode set to read only because I just want to read it. I do not do any update in this case. Um, and we'll turn back the classical thing. Well, one interesting thing about that fill data thing, because we haven't uh, mm -hmm. seen that before. Here for the retrieve, that would be also the, the default is that uh, fill data is ABAP true, so that's why it's not mentioned here. But you could also yeah. do it for kind of existence check. You could also do it with uh, fill data ABAP false. But for the retrieve by association, the fill data is by default um, ABAP false. Uh, and so, uh, and then if you do that same exercise here with fill data ABAP false, it will dump. Um, well, does it? no, it's vice versa. So in some cases it dumps because it's assigning the, it expects you to have the uh, target data uh, already correctly typed. So that, that's the difference between retrieve and retrieve by association. So you have to be a bit careful with the fill data or one of the differences. Hmm? Sorry? And, and why is this the default? It's the default because you um, quite often do not need the data directly from the target node because right. you are navigating over many steps exactly. to your real target. Mm. And then you would only retrieve the data of the final target. Exactly. So okay. if you have a node hierarchy which has a depth of, let's say, five, and you have to follow all the path down to the, that very sub-node, you actually would never retrieve the data in between, but only go with the keys to the next level mm. and navigate with a couple of retrieval associations, the keys, before you actually hit the data. So what you see here is in the importing parameters, once again, the message object, um, 
LT item will contain the item data which is retrieved. Mm -hmm. Again, the combined structure, including the keys. And we then have, in this case, some more tables which are returned back because we want to be able to associate, uh, associate single items to the originating root node. And that's why we need this link table. Here you have this association between the original root node key and the related item node keys. Speaking about the instance keys, not the node keys, which uh, tell me what node is it. Um, we are speaking about instances. And um, you double-click on the LT item key. Mm -hmm. You can see here... Um, what are the item keys? The item keys, which are returned. It's the pure set of the instances represented by these keys of the item node without the linkage, so to say. It's the mm -hmm. pure list of keys for the item node instances. So we have here roughly 30 items related to one TRQ right. document. S uh, right. Simple calculation. We have seen that we uh, access four um, forwarding order root keys, and we have 120 um, item keys. But you can, you can speculate now. Um, does it uh, divide up even? Uh, it could be also 120 or 110 for one instance, and the other 10 are distributed among the last three forwarding orders. So you actually, if you want to know about it, you have to take a look into the LT link key to really find out how many items and, and which items specifically belong to which root node instance. Yeah, which is this. Oops, LT item key again. Yeah? I think you still remember it. And now we go to the key link table. Source key being the root node always, yes. right? In our, or in our example, it's the root key because we were starting from there. And you can click on this button over there to show this is an alt grid control. Um, they can sort actually, and then you can nicely see uh, if you if you click on the uh, if you mark the source key uh, column and then mm -hmm. click on sort this way, you can see actually pretty nice which um, item belongs to which root node key. So, and we also see there are no duplicates for the target key. Right. That's also a quite nice feature in the debugger, by the way, to check um, if there are duplicates or um, what belongs to what in a, in a very quick and dirty way, so to say. Wow, and now we see that we have just uh, results for three root keys and not for four. Oh, there we go. For whatever reason. Great. <laughs> Do we have a fake key? Let's check when we go back. Was it four? Okay. Do we have a failed key? Yes. This was, uh, a key to repeat it would mean that we had a root key without, which is not existing, right? Right. But no. we don't. No, okay. But we may have a TRQ without an item, which is that allowed according the to the... And I remember that I just created one a couple of minutes before we started... Let's see if this is legal. <laughs> so let's look up the association from the root to the item in the TRQ. And the cardinality is 1 to 1 to N. Ooh, an illegal <laughs> TRQ. Okay. okay, the cardinality is not checked by the framework. Exactly. That's just for modeling reasons. Just I think, can't you, is there in a test tool somewhere in, in way of Activating those checks for for development systems. Uh, in in the configuration UI, we have something that is called Bob's library, mm -hmm. 
And uh, we have a um, library method validation, which can be uh, modeled or uh, added to the VO model. And then this validation would check the cardinalities and return around messages. But that's, mm. of course, costing a lot of runtime. Mm. Where would I set that? Um, if you go to the left. Yes. Uh, uh, out of, of the business object. Okay. To the left into the library browser. And then into, for example, Bob Library BS, I would say. BS this guy here? Oh, yeah, that reads correct. Yeah, that's, that's KM stuff, I think. Okay. Uh, if you expand. <laughs> library, library for. Yes. Cool font. Thai script. Then you. No, not here. Then you expand the lib library, for example. Okay. Looks like a Thai version of English, right? Library for business specific. <laughs> Fake Thai. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Just expand the lib library. The and library BS, we don't have it. So ah, okay. One. Yeah. Yeah, that looks better. And then you should look for, for something like uh, libv, clibv. And there we have... Cardinality? Uh, Asoc card. It's about the 10th validation there. If you would enter this validation as consistency validation oh, yeah. to your business object yeah. model, then uh, ah, this okay. one would check. Yeah, the cardinalities. You have there also the documentation behind mm. the class, okay. and uh, it's a little bit explained what's happening there. Okay, but if, so if you're looking for a standard functionality, it's always a good idea to look into these libraries. Okay, and then it would always, uh, if I add it, it was always run, or is it kind of, do you have to activate it? Always. Okay. Yeah. And good. It's always returning error messages if you document okay. which is not fulfilling the cardinality settings. Okay. okay. Good. So back again, maybe you first of all scroll a bit to see what's next. So next point is we've seen how to use a, a retrieval association method from the service manager. Next point is we had it already how to access um, um, not dependent objects that, that comes next, uh, but um, different objects by using a cross PO association. It's not a big deal actually. It looks pretty much similar to that what we've seen for retrieval association in general. We just call here, yeah, an association which points to a different PO. And it starts from the item node. It takes the item keys, which we have read before. And the um, association in this case is um, assigned to the item node. And it points to the source location route. So it's uh, indirectly, let's say, pointing to the location object, BO, to return data from this Location mm. BO, which okay. is a master data BO in this case. Okay. And if you execute that, um, you should then see um, that um, there's only one entry. Why is this? Well, um, all the forwarding orders have uh, the same kind of structure with the same kind of location. So it doesn't return, I think, multiple times. But I have 120 keylinks again, right? All pointing to the same target. Yep. Okay. Go up here again, source end target, then most likely I won't see it. Yeah, I already see same target key everywhere. Yeah. And go back. We then um, come now to a topic uh, where everybody in, in, in 
class <laughs> courses ask, why the hell isn't that possible in a different way? We now come to the point how to access dependent objects. And um, that would be something where you give your comments with your experience maybe also. Um, as Dick already indicated, the first thing is pretty easy. The, 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 um, the, uh, the hook between the dependent object and, and the business object is always the root node. So um, you um, connect to the root node of the dependent object, mm -hmm. but then the trouble starts. So what we see here in the, um, in the first place is we um, access text collection, which is a dependent object included mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons in the forwarding order. And what you see here, first of all, is just a simple retrieval association pointing from the root node using uh, that uh, association text collection which is assigned directly to that node and it comes back with the messages, a link table and some target keys. And then maybe uh, you can help me out with getting the next steps explained. Um, what we now use is a helper method. Um, we could take a look into that uh, coding which is then preparing, so to say, the next step. And that is Sorry. getting the DO keys mm -hmm. for the retrieve by association. And it does a really, uh, um, some, some, yeah. in the shelter method, we have implemented some, some coding that helps us to shorten the coding, which is actually necessary to access uh, the subnodes so of the DO. I think now, I think the problem is, right, if you're, you have that same DO used multiple times in different That's the point where we business objects, right? Mentioned. In the same business object. In yes. the same or in different business objects, right? So yeah. it's uh, both so as complicated as possible. And I think that's a, that's the tricky part, right? That's why you have to define where you are within the DO or what is your host BO basically for in, in the BO. Is that right? Uh, the problem is uh, simply the text collection is defined once but used multiple times. Mm -hmm. And so um, the text collection um, content node, for example, is not unique. You can't say where this text collection content node is used. Mm -hmm. It is only defined for the text collection DO. Mm -hmm. So that's the design time association, so to say. Yeah. And what we need to do now to really distinguish between uh, the three different uh, runtime DOs which we might have in place, uh, we have to um, determine, uh, so to say, a runtime association which points to the right subnode in the DO at runtime, in uh, pointing to the right context, so to say, and that's the coding which you can see here. And as you can see, that's quite some some work to, you know, implement the the access to a dependent object. And maybe you can help me out with this a bit. Um, what we first do, we, we just have the target keys. And then we need to um, prepare the determination of uh, the runtime associations to get the navigation done to the, uh, to the next subnodes. And um, what you can see with the first retrieval association, which will follow, is that we start from the um, use the target keys which have been returned by the first retrieve. And we start from the uh, text collection mm -hmm. node. And um, you can see here that with the, um, in, in this line 152, with this coding, it returns um, an association key. Um, 
which then determines the runtime associations for the retrieval association. And there we go, we have it done. Good one. It means somebody's working uh, in our Tor instance oh. constants interface. Object change at runtime. Yeah, of course. Let's go again. Uh, do we remember the name of the report? Was it? Uh, it's here in the dump. Zrep Bob Demo One. <laughs> okay then. Zrep. Hello. Code search. Where are you? Zrep. I would propose SE thirty eight or SE eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Boring stuff. Boring stuff, as you say. Zrep. Bob Demo yes. One. So. <laughs> Just this comment, um, this text collection node from where we are starting now is uh, representing the root node of the text collection, which is bound to the root of our Tor business object. Exactly. In our case, it was TRQ, right? Yeah, exactly. Or TRQ. Let's, let's have a look into it. So what we're talking about now is this text collection text collection note here and then within this text collection we want to navigate to the child node right yeah, to the text within the text collection so maybe can we navigate from here to the text collection no. or mm. but the text collection node here uh, represents the root node mm -hmm. of a text collection DO instance. Maybe I just one second. I think it, it's worth looking into it. I'm, I'm going into the text collection, yeah. and within that DO, I have the root node and then the text node. This yeah. is where we want you, to go. You open up the text node, then you have the content actually, because that's not the end text. of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to actually when you when you find, we will see that we have to do this uh, determination of the runtime associations now multiple times, depending on the hierarchy of nodes within mm. your DO. So you have to, which each association you would like to follow within the DO, you have to determine the exact runtime association uh, to really get to that. Um, so the coding, the, the, the deeper your DO is mm. from a hierarchical point of view, the more you have to do this to get to the right mm -hmm. association and retrieve the data. So we are now going from, for demo purposes, from the root to the text and from the text, text to, to the, the content. Text content. I mean, in, in real world, uh, you could also here, for example, we have from the root a direct uh, association is, to all text contents, but it's now for yeah. training purposes. We do it step by step. It's, but the, it's of course, depending on the, on the modeling of the DO, mm -hmm. what it uh, offers as associations within the DO. I think you can model also some associations which ease your life a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can follow, of course, these available associations yeah as but, but here it's really to show that step by step yeah so i think we have the item <laughs> and now let's get back to our text collection oops here we go yeah now i jump start a bit so yeah we go so you can see here um the uh, the next call of the server method which contains the
First of all, it will go to the text node, and then it does this again uh, to determine directly uh, based on this text node uh, association, mm -hmm. it determines the uh, content association key pointing to the content node, which we've mm -hmm. seen in the DO model, and then finally it does a retrieval association. Leveraging using this um, association, runtime association key, mm. and returning here with full data with the data, which is then stored in this internal table, LT, no, the, content. The tricky part is that uh, as we have that text node key multiple times uh, within one BO, potentially, and, and also the content uh, below, that's why you have that dynamic, because the same text collection DO below the item, It has technically a different key and different ASOC keys compared to the one below the root, even so it's a reuse deal. So that's the bad part of the reuse. <laughs> that it, that getting the right keys is a bit tricky. Yep. Mm -hmm. And people always tend to ask, uh, well, why is there no better way to access the O data? Well, uh, I don't have a good answer on that. We have to maybe ask the both guys. Um, But the time being, I think so theoretically you could have it in, in the model. If you have a, if you could display the text collection DO as part of the TRQ yeah. model, you, you could give the nodes in the DO different uh, constants. Uh, anyway, this is yeah. what the coding will do. I mean, yeah, it you, gives you back it, every it time the self. So you, you could have it also in the UI. You, you don't yeah. you don't do it at design time, what you explained, yes. but. We, we have to, unfortunately, mm -hmm. do it at runtime uh, yeah. to get it done. And But in principle, it should be maybe in future <laughs> part of the constants interface of the host BO. That's a little bit the target, six mm -hmm. years, four years now. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the problem is that the uh, DO nodes, the map DO nodes, map in sense of uh, the root uh, specific text collection, text collection nodes and the item um, TRQ node specific text collection nodes mm -hmm. um, are not persisted somewhere. Mm -hmm. They are just contained in the shared memory object where the BO mm -hmm. runtime object is contained. And the shared memory is not uh, persisted. So whenever your application server is restarted or someone is invalidating the runtime object, you have new node keys, association keys, action keys, whatever for all the DOs. And that's why you have to execute these hyper methods here to look into the runtime mapping for DO elements, let's say it this way, to find the real keys to use um, any, any stuff of dependent objects. That's the reason. Because there's no stable key for it. There's no as stable of today. key and there's also no systematic way to to get some mapping between your host BO and then dependent objects. And that's also not so easy because uh, dependent objects can be also nested. So if you have a host BO, TRQ, which is um, reusing a charge calculation DO, which is reusing a text collection DO, yeah, which is reusing a attachment folder, whatever, <laughs> then you have a, a three or four times nested Reuse. And then you have also to be able to <laughs> find the real representation of the attachment folder, which belongs then to the TRQ root uh, charges text collection attachment folder. Bless you. 
And that's not a made-up example. At least the tax collection is part of our DO charges, if I'm not totally is, wrong. Yes. yes it so, is. And uh, it is used. And it is also used? Yeah. yeah. So we could we could take a look maybe. Um, so consider yourself lucky that you have the helper method. Yes. Take it that way. <laughs> That's a hint, anyway. Before you invent uh, things uh, on your own, um, TM at least comes up with tons of helper methods. Uh, you should watch uh, watch uh, for already implemented helper functions yeah. to ease your life every now and then. But used with care. Um, it's always depending on the use how you use these methods. Um, Yeah, and Good. last but not least, um, we have a very simple uh, method left from the service manager in this, first of all, uh, accessing uh, read, reading demo report. It's about executing uh, actions. So we use the do action method of the service manager. We specify once again via the constant interface the uh, The action we would like to execute, and in the LD key table, we specify for which instances uh, we would like to execute. Once again, mass enablement, also for action calls. Uh, what we return back uh, in this case is a change object, which uh, includes um, all the changes that might have been done via this action. Directly or indirectly? Yeah. And we take a look at this. Um, no I think we haven't executed it yet, so it might be empty. We have, but maybe it was already confirmed. Whatever it might be, mm. right? And of course, we get messages back if they have some, have been some, and um, the the fail keys would indicate um, the keys of those instances uh, which had uh, caused some. Mm. Maybe one hint on that messages because they're not that easy um, to read. So if you want to check what's uh, in that message here, oh, click click once into it. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah, that's how messages look like in uh, Word. Yeah, but you can go further and see the um, T100 representation. Um. Yeah, you, you go into the table of messages, then you go into the message reference. Yes. That of, then, and of course, uh, you don't go into the uh, T100 messages because they are just... No, wait, one is the default. Yeah, we have default and then... T100 message, right? This guy yeah. in here, you have now the actual message. You have at least an idea, okay, that's the message. Uh, to, to really quickly take a look at what, what has happened, you can mm. uh, at least see the, the message class and the message number. You go to SE91, and mm. uh, that's the most simple way, let's say, to, to see directly what's what's going on. Oh, there's yeah. another way. Yeah. And of course, there's other ways. The debugger script, huh? Uh, the debugger script is the second one, which I always uh, point out to, uh, which then does the direct translation of the content into the clear speaking messages. And not by a script. Uh, please open the additional tools under the uh, left pointing arrow on the right hand side of the screen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is here. Very good. Uh, no, is this... new tool. New tool, new okay. Tool. And then special tools. Yeah. And then script wrapper. Yeah. You have to use this one because the other one is dumping, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then load. And now you specify slash bobs slash star debug star. Oh, ooh. not enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and then you take here um, an, an M with the F. For end. framework nodes? No, no, B is for buffer, M is for modifications, F mm. is for framework, yes. Open this one, and then you get an input field here, and there you can just uh, copy in, well, I don't know, LO message, LO probably. Is now it LO message or is it empty? Can I also use empty one message? One step back. No, no, not empty message. One step back, please. Yeah. Forward. And back. <laughs> the other back. Uh, this one, back. Yeah. Yes. Back? And back. One more. Ah, okay. There we go. So, and now, ah, this message is the right one. Exactly. If you copy this one and then open another tool here. <laughs> we were in desktop. Desktop one. Desktop one. Again, didn't we? And then you can open it on the right hand side of the screen yes. under the X. This guy again, yeah. Yes, okay. use group. Special tools for the web And then load it. Here you have it. And then just copy hello message into it, press return, and uh, press start. And then, hooray, we have the list of messages. Welcome to TRQ. Yeah. Shipper concerning missing, orange party missing. So, so sometimes a good idea to use this debugger script. AGS mm. colleagues were very happy when I showed them this script a long time ago. Mm -hmm. So it seems to be that there are some gaps in the, in the documents. Yeah, a bit incomplete. Good. That's okay. why we also have no change object. <laughs> so next um, and I think last action here in this report, then we get hopefully to the uh, updating and transactional handling report, uh, is how to use um, the same method with uh, action parameters. It's just passing some parameters which have been declared in the, uh, in the definition of the action that you can pass to the execution of the uh, um, action. And it does then. So the structure uh, here that you pass again, maybe to map it back to the what we see in the BO. Maybe and you can go to the definition maybe of, the, of this action. Did I? Yeah, here we are. No, it's text collection. Where have we been? Wasn't here? No, it wasn't. Go to the other one and back again. To yeah. Okay. I thought we have it, still have it open, but we don't. So TRQ. The so root, the confirm action on root level, right? Action. That's why I have my monitor in portrait mode. Uh, you can see that it has an implementing class, of course, and it has an importing parameter structure. When you double click on this, you can actually see the representation of this structure, uh, giving you an overview of. Hmm all the parameters that you can pass to this action. And the execution at runtime will take this into consideration. Depending on the setup, the action will behave mm. this way or the other way around. Okay, so if we map it now here, we see it in the design world. And here at runtime, it's the same structure that you have defined there. No surprise. So that's mm. how you pass parameters which have mm. been defined in the definition at runtime. Maybe one hint on those action parameters. It looks like it's an IS parameter, which sounds like a structure, but basically it's a ref to data. It can also be a deep structure, for example, where you, for the different node instances, have uh, 
uh, additional information. So you say, okay, for this instance key, I want to go left, and for that other instance key, I, I go right. R go right or. But uh, deep action parameters are no nice thing. We have, we have also to mention this. Yeah, but it's sometimes. By the test tool, mm. and so it's technically possible. Yeah. It's technically possible, and sometimes the only way uh, you can do things if you have a list of. Uh, as we are mass enabled, and we need to be mass enabled. Uh, um, and active uh, the feature to be able to pass deep structures also. Yeah, you. It, wasn't, it was not possible always in the past. Um, I think they added it. Uh, uh, a bit later. Mm -hmm. But if you have to define it in, per instance, the other only option would be a non mass call, which is not an option. So that's why I think. Yeah, or a helper message. Something like this. Yes. Or a helper message. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I, I would even say that uh, action parameters are, are bad as a. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> even. Uh, not only point. flat structures. <laughs> but sometimes, like for I mean, assigned TSP for the action, they want to, as a result of the. Uh, a certain run you, you want to use an action and yes. then you have to assign different uh, service providers to different documents that's the only way you can do it yeah my point you. is just you mm. would, should always open up your mind uh, for alternatives mm. if it's really necessary mm. and deep structures are if there is no other way or <coughs> you don't see another way then it's okay but uh, if possible you should avoid it Yeah, but not uh, for the price of uh, action calls in, in loop. So, right. Yes. <laughs> so back to the report, mm. action execution, same effect like, like before mm. with the simple ex uh, execution of this action. Uh, when you click on F8. Yep. F6 or F8? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, same thing here. Oops, okay. uh, F9 is a different yeah. effect. Okay. <laughs> And when you just scroll to see the next uh, thing that will happen in this report, you scroll down. Just want to check. Ah, still no change. Okay. Good. Hmm? There we go. You scroll down a bit. You can now see what we had uh, some, some minutes before the convert alternative key method of the service manager. So, what I pass here is actually um, a clear speaking. Um, list or the list of peer speaking IDs. You open this. Can you can you mm. show the content for a second? So you see these are the document numbers which I got from somewhere, let's say. I took from them from theory. the Moops, uh, mm. data structure uh, that I had read before. So I pass this as an information to the convert alternative key method. And when I execute this, I return back um, the corresponding technical keys, meaning the GUIDs, of these documents where I can then um, make use of, in the UI, for example, it's done on the initial screen, it's using this convert alternative key. You mm -hmm. type in a number, it's converted into that key with this, the whole framework then navigates to the BO model, for example. And last but not least, um, it's the method of the service manager called retrieve properties. That's how you can access actually the properties yeah. uh, of a node as they are defined. And you could you could read this. Yeah. Of course, you need to watch out with the properties. We mentioned this, I think, in the first session on Bob, uh, that properties uh, are always a bit tricky concerning performance um, and because each and every attribute of a node has properties and you should handle this here. Let's have a look here. It's an object in this case. You double click on this. You can then see an impressive <laughs> number of entries. Yeah, exactly. That's what <laughs> I was pointing out to because um, 
mm. you know, there are properties for each attribute and each element um, of that node um, that can cause, of course, uh, performance problems if you read this too extensively. But really nice to read, no? If you look yeah. into it, um, you see it for actions, enablement, uh, value true or not. Yeah. You just have to know the content keys, which represent in this case the action keys, and you know exactly for every action in this subject which one is enabled and which one not. And there's a debugger script for us, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That might be a good idea. Yeah. So with this, we are done with the first report. Maybe one small remark on, on the actions. Um, um, the action call, you have seen that you have a reference in import uh, structure for um, for the action. Meanwhile, you also have an exporting structure because sometimes you may want to get something more back from the action than success messages uh, or or change objects. They are in, in the old world because the import IS parameters is uh, a ref reference only. Uh, it's technically not wrong also to change attributes of that reference because that technically that reference is not changed. So it was abused, I would say, or you could say it differently, but it was also used to get data out of that uh, action again, which is at least counterintuitive, uh, I think, also even so technically not wrong. That's why now um, the Bob colleagues have also introduced, where are we? Um, here, exporting parameters for actions. So now you also have a clean way of getting data out of the action back to the caller, whatever that is. So as soon as you specify that you have exporting mm. parameters, you can specify the exporting parameter structure and table type, right? Yeah, I think so. Yes, yeah. I won't touch the TIQ for, for the demo purpose here, but uh, okay. yeah, that's right. what's happening. I think it's a, okay. yeah. Okay. Good. We have another report. We have another report because so far there is no save. Um, we're running a bit out of time, but uh, I we, think the big missing part. How to deal with transactions and how to create instances, not only reading existing ones. We can do that really quickly. Yeah, and maybe then if we do that really quickly, one very short remark on the differences between the service manager retrieves and actions and the I same think. thing. In our, or is that part of that other report? No, you should mention this. Continue. Oh. <laughs> okay. So um, you, you have that same very similar interfaces uh, for IOREAD. Um, so if you're within a determination, you also may want to read some data. You may also do a query. You may also do an action call from within the determination. In there, you have an IOREAD and IOMODIFY, which are basically very similar, but they are find little differences. First thing is, I think as a rule of thumb, you could say if you're within a determination, you should use IOREAD to read the data and not go through the service manager. Maybe Dirk, you may add some words on, on why is that? Um, the main difference is um, that the service manager is instantiating also service manager plugins mm -hmm. for writing change documents, for reading into the archive, for whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, all these uh, plugins are not executed or called if you are using IO read. Okay, so it's a performance, but also functional application, right? Service managers, mm -hmm. uh, service manager calls are handled as external calls, mm -hmm. and IO read are handled as internal calls. There's then also difference in some some details. I think there's a fine difference, as you said, if I cross BO association. 
If I do it with a service manager, I can also get the result node of the uh, <coughs> association as a with the data. If I do it with my internal IO read, I can only read the keys and with that keys, then I use the other business objects service manager because the IO read is always specific to a BO because yeah. the determination or action or whatever you are in is specific to a to your BO where this yeah. is instantiated. Yeah. Any other important differences? Think not. I think that the uh, property handling is also mm -hmm. not so strong for IO read access mm -hmm. or IO modify access. And I think also the end modify. Oh, okay, that's one step level. Okay, so basically, if you're within a determination validation action, use IO read, IO modify. If you're on your own business object, on the same business object, if you do the same thing to another business object, then you also have to use the service manager. Okay, and then. Off to the last report. Maybe you go to SD80 again, to my I local think the debugger is still on. Yeah, and I still, I, my session is also kind of hanging here. Uh, uh -huh. Does it mean we have to say goodbye? Uh, it's not reacting. Let me see if I can create another instance. Okay, that was uh, enough of. <laughs> okay, so I just let the debugger end here. People watching and listening, we are dealing uh, with the development system currently, and mm. we are heavily busy with developing. So yeah, yeah, might be at runtime that something changes. Which is a good sign. Class exactly. interface change at runtime always means good work ongoing. People are busy. Uh, yeah, now we go again to our report set wrap. BOBF uh, demo 2, right? So this is the demo report um, where you can see some coding examples. Right uh, in, in the meantime, at the one or the other place, bad style, you may have your comments on that. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's in the uh, uh, it's to indicate how it how it works. So mm -hmm. once again, we start uh, with a um, service manager, which is instantiated for the TRQ <coughs> for the forwarding order of <coughs> business objects. And the first thing we do is, well, um, we want to create another forwarding order, a new one. So what do we do? We um, in this case have to. Should I run the report again? You the can run it, of mm -hmm. course. Yep. We first of all um, create um, a so-called so modification table mm -hmm. um, where we, so to say, specify what we want to do, what we want to create. And it starts with uh, creating this LS mod uh, entry for this modification table and that just simply tells you, okay, in the first place, in the first line, line 34, we specify the node that we would like to create. In this case, it's the TRQ forwarding order root node. And uh, in the next line, we draw a new key, which is representing mm -hmm. the technical key for this instance. And we say the change mode in this case shall be uh, the modified create operation, meaning mm -hmm. we want to create another, a new instance of this specified node and uh, create data, then um, and type of the 
um, root node data structure in this case declares the, the, the data content, mm. the empty data content in the very first place. Yeah. And then we assign uh, this uh, field symbol and um, of the corresponding type. And then you can see in line 40, we start here. He will start assigning the, the data to that uh, to that field symbol, which so is then taken over to the modification table. That field symbol now has a combined uh, structure type exactly. of that root node, yeah. right? Because I want exactly. to create an entry for TRQ yes. root node. Okay. So what mm -hmm. we have done, we uh, we have specified what do we want to do with which node and what's the data, mm -hmm. and that is then collected into this. Uh, Table LT mod, the modification table mm. can have one or multiple entries for different operations. You can put that into one mm. modification table. And then, um, we use the service manager, um, method modify to pass over this modification table. And that was what must be some validation node which crossed down. Ah, that's now with my user, right? Uh, yeah, I, I'm prototyping something in the check code value two method, right? Got you. <laughs> See? Okay. Um, so we leave the debugger and try it again. Oh, it's dangerous with my user, you see? It's not rep. Okay. F8. There we go. So we can actually execute this modify. And I Another time. There we go. So uh, now we have done this modify, but Remember the transactional model of Bob? Um, with the modify, we haven't written this already to the persistence. We always, uh, we always just first of all do the modify on, on the buffer, so to say. The changes are not yet persistent. So what we need now is um, a transaction manager, which allows us to bring this in the most simple case. Jig is already shaking his head. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the most simple case, you instantiate a transaction manager, and this provides, as you can see here, a safe method that will bring finally the, the content of the buffer uh, of our transaction to the persistency. Let's perhaps have a very quick look into the change object, because mm. uh, beforehand we had not the chance to, to show how right. it looks like. The change object is the change history for any, any change operation or read operation you are doing in the system. So you can extract from there a lot of, of infos. You have here changes for two business objects. And I think the TRQ business object should be the E19. So the mm -hmm. second bit should be TRQ. Let's just have a mm -hmm. look to the change object 331. And there you see we had five changes in the empty change table. And there were four creates and one NQ. Mm -hmm. You learn it uh, over time what the... What the <laughs> Let Change mode. Mm -hmm. And you see um, also that uh, they were all coming or were triggered by external operations, what means via service manager, not via, via mm -hmm. IO read or IO modify. 
Um, and you'll see that at least for the NQ, already all necessary determinations and validation cycles were passed successfully. Or the creates not. So that's not finished yet. Which is a bit surprising because we are in a service manager call, right? Not sure. We would have now to find out which nodes were influenced here. Might be that these are technical nodes or something like that. I don't With know. no, yeah, maybe, ah, yeah, if you're not sure what this node actually is, you can, you can look it up. You just copied the GUID, right? I copied the GUID of the BO node, and now you can look it up, go into the, in any business object, that's the Confu I, and, and then copy it into the search, Control okay. F, and if yeah. it is a node of the standard business object, a node DO node mm. or something like that, then you should find it there. But it looks like this is a DO node. Or you copy the instance key. It could no, be. Key. I copied the node key, this guy. I think that's a DO charges, most likely something. Yeah, exactly, because the DO charges will be uh, created okay. on uh, as, a, as a default. In the text collection, maybe. Yeah. I, I know that is for the DO charges. Yeah. Okay. And here, it's along for the text collection, the it's created as well to. Um, it created to stage. Okay. Automatically, because every TIQ had at least one stage. Interesting thing, there are determinations after modify for the stage, so it's a bit surprising that it... Perhaps someone is developing here, uh, working on the determinations. Might be. Maybe. Okay, quick. So that's the principle of the change object. Yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing is, where do we have actual changes, uh, which node instance was really touched. I think that is what... Yeah, and especially in case of create, you get mm. from the change object the keys of the created instances. Exactly, yes. mm. They were implicitly somehow created. There were sub-nodes created, you mm. get it from the change object. That's totally true. I think that's why it's also... You, and you don't have to provide a node key, by the way, uh, to the um, modification. Yet Bob would also create uh, node keys itself, but it's a very good idea to do so, to provide the node keys, because then you would know what is the instance that you uh, created, because typically you continue working with that node key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And then let's go over to the save. Huh? Yep. And then let's see whether it saves. Without. <laughs> and yeah, it calls, of course, as a before save validation as well. So... Yes. Experiment and there you go. All and now we have, so to say, finalized our first buff transaction, right? We have uh, run uh, a create cycle, so to say. Oh, we now have first. this root instance. If we would, if we took a look at SE16 with the GUID that we uh, have here available, we would find an instance in the corresponding database table. And it's now really stored on the database, yeah? It is. Okay. <laughs> As I, okay, it's a test, yeah? Yeah, check it. Uh, copy. And then go to SCC. That you should know this. <laughs> and then say slash SCMTMS. Exactly. Put the key. There we go. Here it is, oh. with the right type. Cool. And you know, the determinations that have been executed might have added some attributes. You have seen that we only added the most mandatory. Mm -hmm. attribute, which was the TRQ, the forwarding order type, and anything else that is now written to the um, root node instance so far 
is done by the determinations. We haven't specified any further manual uh, content. And that is shown actually next when we go back to the report. Uh, yeah. Okay. So um, we would like to now add in another transaction, uh, as an example, we, how do we add um, an attribute? So um, we now have another change mode, in this case an update, and uh, the same procedure to build up the um, modification table. Um, you build this up and you specify here um, an attribute called shipper ID and give that a corresponding value. And you pass this over to the list of changed fields. Mm -hmm. There might be some comments on the changed fields yeah. um, as well uh, after we have finished this step. And uh, you pass this described change to the modification table, mm -hmm. and you pass this to the modify, mm -hmm. and this will now update the corresponding um, entry on the database as well. I could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is going public, so. Um, just one comment to the changed uh, fields that's a common trap for, for yeah. beginners. Yeah. You may have to make sure if you're updating many fields that you're clearing the changed fields between different modifiers. Else you would sum up the changed fields and Bob would really update 10, 15, 100 times the same field, even with the same values. So you have a lot of runtime if you are yeah. not clearing this table. I think. And the second thing is um, it makes nearly always sense to specify the changed fields because um, this avoids that you are overwriting existing data that you don't want to update. Mm. If you can't be sure that you have all the data read before, then you should use changed fields. If yeah. you have it read mm. before under protection mm. of NQs, of logs, mm. then you can, of course, also pass all the data in an update without specifying changed fields. What is then much faster because you are mm. avoiding assign components at runtime. Actually, it's interesting. I, I would have said it differently. So I, I would have said per default you shouldn't use change fields for performance reasons. That's why I was mentioning That's, that. Because anyway, I think you have to be sure that you have the latest locked uh, uh, data. So because also if you only fill two other fields, if you are not sure that the other fields which you may base your two new fields on are not up to date. Uh, you you only way anyway in a format. But so what, uh, to, to make it short, so if you you have to be aware that what happens if you assign or if you define change fields is really an assign component of the structure. Yep. There's a big structure to be here, a big uh, constant interface, which is okay. pretty slow. So if you have like 20 fields that you change and you do that uh, with uh, assign component, this is roughly 20 times slower compared to not having uh, assigned components because otherwise it's just taking the data. So if you read the data, you enqueue your data, so you're sure that nobody else can change it in a parallel session. Uh, you have all the fields as defined in the database and buffer yet, and you just add two, five, ten of that fields. Performance-wise, it's much better if you do it without changed fields, but you have to be sure that you do not overwrite other fields. So it's pros and cons, but I would say 
um, if you're not sure that you have the latest version of the data and you modify it, you're anyway in, on the dangerous track, so to say. Yeah, for something mm. like admin data or a status field, it doesn't matter. Then you can say, okay, I'm updating the status, and that's it. That's an example. In that case, you don't even have to read the data, right? Like yeah, in the example that's, here, that, that's, the that's the other thing here. So if you like in an example of Holger, where we really have the key just as a variable and we pretend, or, <laughs> or we haven't actually, we haven't read the latest version of the, there was no retrieve in between, right? So we didn't yeah. read the latest version of the data. So we just kept the key from the we just kept the key or got it from somewhere yeah. and we just want to uh, modify a certain specific field without having any knowledge about um, the other fields and their current uh, status, then of course you have to use the changed fields, otherwise you would just uh, destroy all other information, including the key and everything. So no, yeah, not the key, everything. Yeah. except for the key, sorry I was wrong. Key, parent key, root key will survive, but everything else is gone, yeah. which makes it a bit Pointless that the parent key and root key is still uh, uh, there. So that's why then you have to use the change field. Otherwise, you have to really think about it. And you have that common trap of using uh, the same change field. Mm -hmm. To avoid that trap, you may use the mod helper classes. So there's uh, a class, SCMTMS, CL mod, CL underscore mod underscore helper. And with that, you can even provide a table with the new data and, and do that. Because also that create data here. It's a common mistake that if you don't know what create data and references mean, I also have seen often enough uh, that the same reference is used multiple times, which you can't do. So to be on a safe side, you may consider the mod helper. Dirk, as an expert, uh, would see that as an overhead. Um, <laughs> but that's up to you. If you but if you want to be on a safe side, and then you can also provide a ta <clears throat> table with data and one set of changed fields. Okay. Um, yeah. Last but not least, there might be the need to first of all have to execute the save. <laughs> there we go. Mm -hmm. So what we now do, um, we may have also the need to every now and then delete some data. And uh, the last but not least, uh, yeah, service manager method is here. First of all, executing the query. Ah, this one. This time it's also a and UDB query. Exactly. Um, and it returns with, um, I think in this example, it returns with exactly one, and which is exactly the one that we have created. So it creates and deletes the same instance, I think, again. So we are now in the, in the very last breakpoint here. Um, it prepares nothing else but a modification table to declare a delete operation. And you can see that by the change mode delete. The rest is pretty much the same. You can see that I took over again the key, which I have created in the very first step when creating the root node instance. And this and time you took the one from the query, but you retrieved it. Because <laughs> that's yeah. a bit, uh, okay, that's example data, right? Where you would retrieve yeah. or do a query yeah, with the key. I could have, I could have yeah. also taken the, the, the key from from the from this demo report here to, to ease my life a bit. And we do the same modify again. We, we would see the, um, a D, I think, for delete in the changes mm -hmm. uh, instead of a C or a U for update and C for create. An E for an NQ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Note. Key. This time we have also changed fields here. Because we didn't clean up. So exactly. Uh, okay. There we have this <laughs> effect. For delete, for delete, it doesn't matter. So yeah, yeah. it doesn't. But that's yeah. that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a trap. We, that's a nice mm -hmm. example to see this effect which we just discussed a second before. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's why it's for pedagogical reasons it's here. Yeah, not that we it. forget to clear it. <laughs> so, uh, last but not least, this modify operation is just again taken by mm. this uh, transaction manager and is then um, persisted on the database, meaning in this last case it deletes the found instance. Exactly. Uh, maybe we should lose some words because I'm asked uh, many times in, in, in trainings, which I conduct every now and then, uh, about the... Um, the mechanism of uh, modify and modify. Maybe yeah. you, you should mention something of this. Yeah. Um, maybe you have some comments on that. You may know some more details uh, on that. Maybe we explain what this is all about. Okay. Because the report didn't show it. Yeah, because that is happening within the business object. So basically, if you call a BO instance with a service manager from the outside, uh, you let's say you call an action and this action does a modification and this modification on the other node triggers another determination which again creates a um, oh I have to leave the room huh? <laughs> determination so there are cleanup work so all the determinations in the first step only changing the data without really processing the other determinations right so it's only collecting the changes and the end modify is then Triggering a so-called dead while determination validation cycle every end modifier. And there are explicit end modifiers which you can trigger from within the determinations. You can do it with the IO modify, right? And the implicit one, which are always done if you're going on the call stack level back to the service service manager call, so to say, right? Which is then doing the same thing. So basically it's doing the determinations and Validations. That's maybe an important thing to know. Anything else I forgot? That's it. You have to be a bit careful. So if you, I mean, sometimes in the determination, if you have to be sure that the previous determinations has already been processed, then you have to use the um, end modify. But this is triggering a determination and validation cycle. So this has also have a significant performance impact. Yeah. But on the other hand, you cannot say you never use it because if you have to be sure that the previous determination already brought your node instance into a state that you expect, then you have to do it. One more thing maybe about the transaction manager. I think uh, the transaction manager also has an option to um, uh, kind of a mode, uh, an NQ mode, right, Dirk? Should we mention some words on that? The transaction manager? Uh, or not the... Uh, you mean the, um, the initial mode? Yeah, yeah. In which I would not no. do it here. Okay. I would just say uh, we have the possibility to differentiate between uh, dialogue and update logs and both together and mm. uh, endless transaction or one-time ah. transactions. And then maybe that was another episode, right? All these locking mechanisms. Um, yeah. Basically, you define here if you, after saving, if you keep for example, you define if you keep the data in the buffer or not, which may or may not make sense. But okay, maybe that's worth another episode. Anyway, we lost the room meanwhile. Huh? <laughs> so <laughs> we have to close. So for our locking, we might have one of the next sessions. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This looks like. Good. Already. Thanks to everybody. Uh, I think pretty complete again. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's it. Now you, everybody knows Bob, so no no excuses anymore if you see retrieves and loops or uh, 
that kind of stuff. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. I'm coming after you if I watch you doing it. So. Back to work, yeah? Yep. Okay. Thanks a lot. Bye. Ready?